Thanks for tuning in each week, especially for this week again, obviously, for Organic Matters. I brought this up last week, but I didn't have, uh, I ran out of time. About a week ago Wednesday, so 10 days ago or so, it was officially announced that we'd reached on Earth 8 billion humans. 8 billion with a B. I think that's like an 8 with 14 zeros behind it to make it up. It's just beyond unfathomable to me, but it's true. Our numbers have quadrupled in my lifetime and doubled since 1975 again. It's undeniable that rapid growth of our species in this finite environment that we live in has got to have some consequences. As humans, we will require more land, more water, more trees, and more fuels, and that in has to leave less for other species and, more importantly, what is it going to do to the ecological balance, the equilibrium that we've been fortunate enough really to have been existing with all of these years. When people consume as we have, especially, I, I, it's kind of interesting, in the global north, the northern half, or want to as we do, the problems are going to become even more severe. So, how connected are climate change and population growth, really? Maybe not so much. A recent United Nations Department of Economic and Social Affairs report states, although high-income and upper-middle-income countries contain about 50% of the global population, they contributed around 85% of the global emissions of carbon dioxide. Such emissions from upper-middle-income countries have more than doubled since the year 2000 even though the population growth rate was falling throughout this period. As an example, the average person in the United States emits more than twice as much as someone in the European Union or the United Kingdom, and listen to this, 10 times as much as someone in India or Pakistan. But Pakistan, like many countries that have contributed least to the problem, has been hit hard by climate change with one-third of the country devastated by floods just this year, just in the year 2022. So it becomes clear that the immediate concern is excessive consumption. Population growth is already slowing, with 10.4 billion humans expected by 2080. Followed by then, we suspect it's going to be a real leveling off. That's about where they think it's, this, our upper limit will be. One study found that the increase would contribute much less to global heating than, for example, not putting a price on carbon, which is something we've been talking about for a decade or more now. You know, if we work at it, we can cut consumption almost immediately. But stabilizing population growth takes time and require ongoing global efforts to strengthen women's rights. Got to work on it, folks. Provide education to women, girls, and families, and ensure access to family planning resources and birth control, which seems to be on the back burner these days. Think about this for a minute. Focusing more on population than consumption ignores the far greater impacts wealthy countries like us, where population growth is slowing already, are creating. For the sake of the discussion, let's consider separating global north from global south. And that is basically really what's happening think about that. We're the global north, the wealthy end of the world for some reason. Consider also that much of the global north's wealth is in effect stolen or used, taken from the global south. 
through ongoing colonial enterprises, we're going through this now, wealthy people and nations have exploited the natural resources and people of lands everywhere. If go back from slavery to driving indigenous peoples in our world, our natives, from their own territories and destroying lands and waters for mining, fossil fuels, industrial agriculture, and massive dams and power plants where those people will never be able to go back and ever really be able to reclaim it per se. Let me throw a few numbers at you I found. It's going to be complicated, but it's no easy way to say this. Unequal exchange is draining in dollars, American dollars now, about $10 trillion a year from the global south. The study was started in 2015. In that year, the North Net had appropriated and got from the south, global south, 12 billion tons of raw materials, and equivalents, 822 million hectares, that's uh, 1.6, gosh, I don't know, how, billion acres, an unbelievable amount of land, not to mention in, in work power that we need, we worry about immigrants, this is another problem, 188 million person years of embodied labor. Think about that, I don't even know how to add that up, that's why I say this is a, a quote from a study, it's beyond my comprehension. The net worth in our dollars would be about 10 $0.8 trillion coming our way. Enough if you want to get it a weird way to looking at it. Enough to feed everybody, clothe everybody, and get rid of poverty all over the world 70 times over. A lot of bucks. This is a reference that that study concluded. This. Unequal exchange is the significant driver of global inequality, uneven development, and of course that ends up becoming part of the ecological breakdown. And for those of us that believe in science, climate disruption is caused mainly by greenhouse gas emissions resulting from consumer-driven economics in the global north, much of it founded on exploitation of labor and resources of countries and people who don't reap anything near equal benefits for the effort. Many of those countries are now experiencing severe climate-related crises, far greater than we are, from massive floods to deadly heat waves to increasing human migrations. We are a part of that problem. And people argue population growth is the main problem. It's not. That's why recent discussions at the COP27, that's the climate climate summit that just ended, folks, and beyond that, though, about losses and damages, compensation and funding to help the global south worldwide countries adapt to the inevitable and avoid the worst climate impacts should not have been controversial. Once you take a look at the picture in black and white. As all of us who have benefited from decades, even centuries, of exploitation, we kind of owe a debt to the vulnerable people it had to come from somewhere. And these are the communities and nations that, that we, I want to say, took advantage of I don't know what the right answer is. It wasn't in its own way intentional at the moment. At the very least, we ought to do everything possible to curtail our consumer lifestyles and reduce our environmental footprint as much as possible. And that, of course, includes reducing emissions of all kinds. And I don't mean to say, folks, that this is just up to individuals. It's really, we should be aware. Okay, industry has got to pay its share. The big pharma, the big petroleum companies, the giants in almost every industry need to pay their share. That's why one of the things that came up in Canada and here in our country, windfall profits tax. 
It's getting a lot of attention now. Properly done, it would tax the massive returns fossil fuel companies, for instance, are raking in, fueled in part by the whole global conflict, the problems we're having, and could use the money to help those most at risk without any money coming out of our pockets directly. In other words, we just shift money from people that are not paying their share. Again, mostly the big, big, large corporations in the industries and those one or two percent of the most rich people that, that handle, or let's call it rich. In my humble opinion, that's all I've got. Our immediate crisis is caused by a system that encourages us, that looks for endless growth, exploitation, waste and energy use. Population growth is a factor. We hit 8 billion people, folks, but it's one that can be addressed partly by rethinking our pretty much one-sided, greed-based economic system and the inequalities that it is, creates all over the world. Now, I know some of you are going to say after you've been listening to me for 20 years, this is kind of deep for, I'm supposed to be a guy doing an organic gardening show and tell you how to plant tomatoes. But the, the 8 billion number really hit me hard. One scientist I follow pointed out that at 8 billion, there's currently more humans on Earth than there are rats. There's currently more humans on Earth than there are rabbits. We always think of these animals in mass numbers, but we are now exceeding them in numbers, and we've got to feed all of us. So where does my organic matters come in? That's what I've talked about for 20 years, is feeding us indirectly. On a small garden basis, you know, we, but part of the thing we've had to, to put up with and part of the ecological problem we've got is agriculture at a rate necessary to feed 8 billion miles every day. And, and it is an ongoing and will become uh, a big part of how we build the rest of what we do for our economy and for our countries, whether it's ours or other countries that are still developing around the world. And they're still, in many cases, contributing to the population growth. We're, we're really not, folks. We're at a zero standstill. If it wasn't for immigrants, we wouldn't even be replacing ourselves in the United States. And that's probably good. It sounds bad, because but we need the labor. So I'm not anti-immigration. I'm anti-illegal immigration. I'm anti-not controlling it. And I do agree with that 100%. But we need the physical labor to begin with, and not not to to negate the the intellectual information that comes to us. We're not just immigrants that are coming in to uh, to take care of our fields. There are immigrants that we're blocking at this point that are, that are scientists that are into things like AI, artificial intelligence, into making our fuel systems as we convert to, we hope, all green fuel easier, better, safer. Uh, we have a lot of information, and our problem is, as, our, as a country, we invent, we establish, we take care, we come up with some of the best ideas in the world, and then they go overseas. And then as a citizen here, why, why is it going overseas? It's because we want it cheap. We want it inexpensive. We, so the TVs, cars, everything are built where they don't have the highest standard of living as we have, and I have nothing against our standard of living, but we can't afford to do it. But it's getting to a point with 8 billion of us, folks, we can't afford not to do it. So what it is, is we need a change in the paradigm, the, the way we do what we do. And then we can, and we're already starting this, at least they're making an effort in the, the ideal example is the chip business, which has really slowed down industry all across the world. 
You know, we're in an inflative period. It's inflation. We're having trouble with it. But guess what? We're only in the top 100 list. There's 100 nations with higher inflation rates. Europe's an ideal example. Germany's an ideal example. Higher than ours. So when we blame it on whether it's Biden or our government or... uh, We're not in charge, folks. The world is in charge. And we need to learn to establish our place in it at whatever level we need to, to live the way we want to live. I'm not against Western style existence, but that's the only way it's going to work. As long as we want it cheap and fast, we're going to be sending it overseas. We've got to stop that. We, we need to have what we need here. And the only way to do that is, again, change the way we do business on a worldwide basis. And that has nothing to do with organics or organic matters or anything that deal, but it really does because it touches all of us in one way or another right now on this whole planet of 8 billion humans. Thanks for staying in tune to Organic Matters.